0: good afternoon from tyler texas nice to be with you on this uh thursday afternoon i hope that you have been having a great week and i can tell you right now that we are having uh, a wonderful week coming up because next week our wonderful kids and grandkids from maryland will be with us we're also planning on seeing our daughter and her family including our other grandson in arlington they're going to spend some time with us as well So uh, we're kind of uh, counting down the minutes and ready for that to happen, and that's going to happen next week. So uh, because of that, uh, I'm going to be hugging and loving on grandkids instead of uh, having a Facebook Bible study on Sunday afternoon and Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. Um, I'd like to tell you I feel bad about that, but right or wrong, not so much. And love all of you. Love studying God's Word with you on Facebook. Gonna be loving those grandkids all next week, so uh, I'm super excited about that. And we feel very, very blessed that they will be with us. Uh, We will have our study today, of course, and I'm looking forward to that. It's the last of a kind of a three-part series, although kind of a four-part series on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we began that last week uh, on Thursday or on Tuesday and then uh, we uh, had no class on Thursday and then Tuesday we uh, had a class, actually two, because of technical problems. Hoping that that's resolved on this one, but if not, we'll hang in there and hopefully uh, you'll be able to to do that as well. Uh, From the lesson last uh, on Tuesday, uh, there was a little bit of stop and start most of the time. It, it, or actually started again, and uh, so last week, uh, last Tuesday's lesson was in two parts. And today's hopefully will be in one part, and hopefully we'll be able to get through this. Because I love what we're talking about when we're talking about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So a little bit of review today, and then I want us to focus on a couple of Psalms. Psalm 119, the longest Psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible, and Psalm 19. Both of those are focused primarily upon the Word of God, and I want us to look at that uh, as we close out this short series in the midst of this series on the armor of God, the full armor of God, the panoply of God is that great song, Soldiers of Christ, arise reminds us of taken exactly from this passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20. We've been looking at several of those items of armor and uh, last Thursday and our last Tuesday and this Tuesday and today we're looking especially at that one item of the armor of God that is specifically meant for offense and that is the sword of the Spirit. Just like a Roman soldier in the first century would use that as a weapon against uh, his enemies. The, the word of God is sharp and active and alive and is um, able to discern, cut through even to the soul and the spirit as, as Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us. We looked at that scripture on, thir- on Tuesday of this week. And we've looked at several other scriptures that talk about God's word. Of course, uh, we remember that 2 Timothy 3 and uh, 2 Peter 1 affirm unequivocally that the Bible, the scriptures, are the inspired and authoritative word of God. Uh, what Bill says is great. What you might hear in a podcast is great or in another church sermon or in a book you might read. All of that is wonderful. And I, I'm, I'm encouraged to participate in all of those things. But I also recognize and and acknowledge and affirm beyond any doubt and any question that the Bible that we have is the inspired and authoritative word of God. And it's only this book that is that. Uh, Everything else can help us understand that better and apply it better maybe, but it's only the scriptures that are the inspired word of God and are the authority as Timothy, as Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. They are God-breathed, they are inspired scripture, and they're profitable and and make us readily equipped uh, for every good work that God might have us to do. And so what he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 is preach the word, Uh, be ready all the time, even when people around you wanna hear something else, talking about their itching ears, wanting to hear what they wanna hear. And there's a lot of that going on these days, and so that's why we have to be like the Bereans of old in the first century during Paul's second mission journey when he and Silas and Timothy went to Berea in modern day Greece. Well, so why is that? Because the scriptures are inspired and authoritative. And so what you hear from Bill, what you read in a book, what you hear from any other preacher or church or Uh, Any friend of yours, neighbor, relative, you want to compare it with what God's Word says. We looked a lot about that over the last uh, three sessions. Uh, Jesus saying that um, uh, unless we are obedient to him, then uh, we're not one of his. He, He is unequivocal in saying not everyone who says to him and calls on him as the Lord uh, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of the Father in heaven. That great Sermon on the Mount closes with that call to be obedient to God's word in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we also see that in John 8, 24, as Jesus says, You've got to believe that I am he, or you'll die in your sins. And he follows that up with these words in John 8, 31. And- follow my teaching. Uh, You are must be obedient to my word. Uh, If you do that, then you are truly my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So that's our call as we live our lives to be sanctified by the truth. The word of God is truth as Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. Moses saying in Deuteronomy 13 that even if a prophet says something, makes a prophecy, and, and it actually happens, it comes to pass, uh, that's, that's no, uh, that, that doesn't matter if they're calling us to obey something other than God's word. Paul says the same thing in Galatians 1 when he says, Even if an angel from heaven comes down and stands before us, but gives us a gospel other than the one we've received, then that, even that angel is to be accursed. And so we've been looking about that. Those are some of the things that we've already talked about. I want us to share a few moments about applying God's Word as we follow up those things and then close with looking at those two great psalms. So hello to my dear friends, uh, Cindy and Eric Mosley. Glad you're joining us again. And my dear brother, uh, Danny Estes, I know, has experienced a great loss in his family. And so you've been in my prayers, brother, and I appreciate you being a part of our Bible study uh, today. So these words from, um, from Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 15, Paul is writing to the Ephesian Christians in modern-day Turkey on the western edge, and he tells them, um, we are to be speaking the truth, but speaking the truth in love. Uh, you've heard me say many times, all three of those are significant. We must speak, and it must be the truth that we speak. That's the word of God, and we must do that in love. Uh, You can't take out any of those three out of that equation and be faithful. We must be speaking and sharing the word and will of God, and it must be that word and will of God that we share, speaking the truth. But we must always do it in love. If we're not doing it in love and humility and respect and consideration, then uh, we're not being faithful to the word of God. We're not being faithful to what God has called us. Uh, to do. In John 13, as Jesus washed the feet of the disciples just hours before they were all going to desert him, Judas Iscariot, yes, he was still there just hours before he was going to betray the Lord. Simon Peter, yes, he was there just hours before he would deny him three times to save his own life. Uh, Jesus washes their feet and then he gets his clothes back on. He says, do you know what I've done for you? In John 13, he says, I, I, I I've done this because I'm setting you an example that you should do for others as I have done for you. And so he says, just as I have washed your feet, you are to wash not my feet, but wash one another's feet. Uh, That's a great call to be obedient to God's word. James tells us and reminds us that we should be doers of the word and not just hearers. And then in chapter 2, he says, look, um, faith without works is dead. You've got to follow up. What you read and study in God's word with actions, it should have an impact on your life. Um, and Jesus, and John, the apostle whom Jesus loved in First John 3, uh, reminds us and says, Look, let, let your love, let your faith, let your obedience be something that's more than just with words, uh, but let it be with actions and with truth. Uh, For the Word of God to become truly effective, we must apply it in real-life situations. So says Bob Hendren in his little book on the book of Ephesians. Uh, Our desire, our prayer, is that we respect the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, so much that we'll actually read it. And that we respect it so much that we'll actually follow it. Imperfectly? Yes, I know. And that's where the blood of Jesus, our Savior, comes through. But it's still our call to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, according to Romans 12, being obedient to the word of God. As Jesus put it in Luke 9, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following after him as his disciple. Uh, Too many times we read God's word in order to find a good reason to do what we want to do instead of reading it to find what God wants us to do and then living that way. I hope and pray that's out. That's how you approach God's word. Today, I want us to look, as I said, especially at uh, these passages of scripture from Psalm 119 and Psalm 19. Um, you know, Psalm 19 is a good place to begin because it reminds me of a song that we used to sing when I was in the youth group. Yes, singing had been invented when Bill was in the youth group years ago. I get it, yes, yes, yes and uh, we sang so many wonderful songs some of which we still sing today of course the old classic hymns also some of the more contemporary songs that were around in the 1970s and 80s but this is one of those Um, and it starts out the law of the lord is perfect reviving the soul the testimony of the lord is pure making wise the simple more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. That's taken right out of Psalm 19. Beginning in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And he goes on and on and we'll end this lesson today by reading this passage again from Psalm 19. And then that passage ends with another song that we have today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your eyes. Dear Lord, I don't know if you remember that one. I don't think that's exactly the right tune, but hopefully that will stir some memories in you and take you to this word of God in Psalm one, in Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my Redeemer. So some great words from Psalm 19, and we'll end in just a few moments reading that great psalm. But for now, you may, if you have your Bible open, you can turn over or click on uh, the 119th chapter. This chapter is a great chapter. In fact, a lot of times when I'm studying about the Word of God and I refer to the Psalms, I read all of chapter 119. And I wanna really recommend uh, that you do that. It's not very long, really only 176 (laughs) verses. So yeah, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. Um, And you know what, the theme is the Word of God. And so I hope that you'll uh, open up that chapter and read through Psalm 119. It really won't take you very long, maybe about 10 or 15 minutes. It's not very long when you're reading it, especially when you're reading it to yourself. But as you read Psalm 119, I hope that you will be looking for those references to the Word of God because it's filled with references to God's Word. Uh, John Willis writes, although the psalmist's subject is God's law, he is far from being a legalist and from thinking of God's word as a set of rigid rules that one must mechanically obey as a heavy burden. We think that's how the Old Testament people looked at God's law, the law of Moses even, in Old Testament times, but that's just not true. And Psalm 119 uh, reminds us of that. The psalmist loves God's law. And wants to do what it says because he is genuinely grateful for what God has done for him. He delights in God's word and values it above great riches, just as he said in Psalm 19. Uh, The psalmist's primary concern is not in keeping God's commandments externally, but in doing this from the heart. Several times in Psalm 119, the heart is mentioned. And we know that that is mentioned often throughout the Old Testament. For the psalmist, life with God is not a cut and dried matter of God giving a commandment and man obeying that commandment. That's, that happens, of course, but that's not all there is to it. Rather, the psalmist enjoys a daily, intimate, personal relationship with God. And because of and out of this relationship, he yearns to know what God's will is and to do it. Dr. Willis, great Old Testament scholar a uh, long time faculty member of Abilene Christian University in the Bible department, wonderful man, uh, wonderful spirit. And as he shares these words, uh, we know that he's well-researched and studied. And, and as we read the Psalms, we realize that the psalmist had a very real, very concrete relationship with God that he valued very, very much. So a few things about how the psalmist feels about God's law. First of all, the psalmist values God's word. All of these from Psalm 119, uh, verse 72 says this, The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Uh, Verse 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Very similar to what we'll read from Psalm 19 in just a moment. The psalmist seeks to learn and to obey God's word and the psalmist finds help in God's word as well. In verse 50, he says this, my comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. Verse 61, though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. Verse 143, of Psalm 119. Trouble and distress have come upon me, but your commands are my delight. What a great statement. And then in verse 153, the psalmist says, Look upon my suffering and deliver me, for I have not forgotten your law. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials, in the midst of, of threat, and perhaps uh, even uh, persecution, the psalmist says, I have not forgotten your law. In your law I delight and I find that help that i need the psalmist finds guidance and renewal in god's word Uh, verse 25 of psalm 119 i am laid low in the dust preserve my life according to your word he calls out for god's help and for god's renewal Uh, verse 28 my soul is weary with sorrow strengthen me according to your word Uh, verse 93 I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. And then this familiar verse in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Think it's Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant that wrote that wonderful song together. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We are free from all those laws. Well, (laughs) yes, they're the ones that wrote it, sang it, but it is a song that the psalmist originally wrote and sang and lived by in Psalm 119, verse 105. Verse 107, I have suffered much, preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Uh, The psalmist finds great renewal and deliverance and guidance in God's word. The psalmist delights in his relationship with God through God's word. Verses 76 and 77, may your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. That's not the way people think of law today, especially God's law. And yet for the psalmist, he delighted in not only studying and learning, but also being obedient to God's law. Verses 111 and 112, your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. The psalmist finds joy in being obedient to God, not burden, not chains, but rather joy. Why? Because the psalmist understood the blessing that God had given him. The psalmist recognized that God had given him so many blessings that God's presence was there, just like that wonderful 23rd Psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so we recognize that for the psalmist, uh, God was a very special presence, and he delighted in that relationship with God through his word. Uh, Psalm 119, verses 150 um, and 151. Those who devise wicked schemes are near, but they are far from your law. Yet you are near, O Lord, and all your commands are true. The psalmist knows that God is present even when there's threats and difficulty. And he realizes that his connection with God is based in the truth of God's word. And so the psalmist wholeheartedly his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Uh, Verse 10 of Psalm 119, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Verse 34, give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Several other times in the 119th Psalm, the psalmist says, I'm obeying you from the heart and with my whole heart. And so it's no surprise that the psalmist loves God's law. How do you feel about God's word? (sighs) Do you think it's too stringent, too rigid, too binding? Well, the psalmist had the law, the law of Moses. It was far more binding than our New Testament commands. And yet the psalmist says, I love your law. I love the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 48, first of all, I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. Verse 113, I hate double-minded men, but I love your law. Verse 119, all the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, therefore I love your statutes. That statement that we don't really expect to read. Verse 159. See how I love your precepts. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your love. And then one more, this great verse that is very familiar. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. The psalmist exclaims, I meditate on it all day long. Oh, that everyone felt that way about the word of God, the same way the psalmist feels. I love your word, O Lord. I love the scriptures. I love your commands. I love your statutes. I love your precepts because I know that you love me. And the only reason you've written those and given those is because of your love and care for me and your wanting what's best for me when we approach God's word like that with gratitude, with humility, with appreciation, with love and delight and joy, it takes on a whole new meaning. And it has so much more to tell us about how we should live and view the word of God. And so as we conclude this little brief uh, three or four lesson study on, on the word of God, remember this is based in Ephesians 6, Verses 10 through 20, specifically, I think verse 17 that says, Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let me read these verses in closing. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 14. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 14. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Remember, I won't see you next week, but I will see you a week from Tuesday in this study, and I will see you um, a week from Sunday as we look at First John. Let's close with this prayer, the Psalmist prayer that we just read. Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.